trust him. It's a good word. We are currently uh, in a series on being a diverse church. And so uh, this has been a really, it's a really good series because I believe it's a challenge to us as a local church to be diverse. And uh, the whole series is based on Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he prays that, that we, his followers, would experience the same unity God experiences within the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, and so when you think about the impossibility of that kind of unity between, and, and the four categories, I think they're um, probably up there. Uh, we're looking at generational diversity, which we, we did that a few weeks ago, ethnic diversity, um, today we're talking about socioeconomic diversity, and then next week, ideological diversity. Usually, all of these types of diversities separate people. But Jesus' prayer is that we would experience not just unity, not just being able to be friend- friendly with each other, but the same unity God experiences within himself. That the same unity Jesus shares with the Father and the Holy Spirit, we would share that with each other. Uh, and so... It's been a really good challenge, and just working through this is, is incredibly challenging because I believe that um, there is a, a perfect picture that God has for His church, and uh, I believe our call is to reflect that. Jesus prayed for it, and I believe we're called to reflect it. And I was really appreciative, so Rod and Solmas, they're, they're here again uh, this week. They shared their story last uh, Sunday, and uh, it was it was unplanned. Uh, I, I asked them a week before. They had just gotten to Thunder Bay not long ago, and they were willing to share um, their story of what it was like to be persecuted in Iran and then Turkey, and then they're here. Um, and so it was really neat because that came after our, our talk on ethnic diversity. So to have a, an Iranian brother and sister share was really, really special. Um, and so I think God's speaking to us as a, as a church. And uh, this week, I want to talk about socioeconomic diversity. And can you just say that word with me? Socioeconomic? So, okay, that's not an easy one to say. Um, and for that, that's just the, the, uh, the word that I'm using. But basically, socioeconomic diversity, I'm just talking about rich and poor. And so um, that's what I want to get into today. And just to, if you're new here or you're tuning in online and you're new, um, this series on being a diverse church the, the vision behind it is just to, to paint a picture of what God's desire for a church is supposed to look like. And so I, I hope if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus or you're just checking things out, um, that you'll encounter um, God's presence for one, but that you'll also just see a picture of what God's desire for the church is. I will say we've seen lots of bad examples of church, and that's why I believe this series is so important because we're actually going to go, we're going to the scriptures and we're saying, well, what, is, what does God want the church to be? Because we have, and the bad examples are everywhere. If you, if you flick on your TV, you'll probably see an ad for um, a documentary on Hillsong. Hillsong's one of the biggest churches today, and there's a documentary on that um, exposing all of the horrible things that have been done in God's name. And if you Read your news articles, you'll see lots of high-profile pastors and church leaders that have like had moral failures or they've stolen money from the church and things have fallen apart. We've talked a lot here about what happened with the residential school system in Canada, some evil things that were done in God's name, like just absolutely evil and terrible. So the reason this series is important is because there's a really bad picture of the church. 
And, and the bad picture of the church is when, when humans get in the way and try to make things happen a certain way according to what we think should be done. And that's why we're going back to, like, what is, what's God's vision for the church? Like, what does he desire that the church would be? You know, we, and, and so we've covered generational diversity, young and old, ethnic diversity, so different ethnicities uh, coming together and experiencing unity. What does that look like? And today, for socioeconomic diversity, um, did you know that it's God's desire that rich people and poor people would be able to gather together and experience the same kind of unity that Jesus experiences with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. Like, that doesn't happen very often. Usually when you see groups of people, there's like the rich that kind of stay together and the poor sort of stay together, right? Am I right? Like, you don't, and and there's exceptions to every rule, but you don't often see like a super rich couple people that are best, best friends with super poor people, right? Like, there's, usually there's like jealousy that keeps that, you know, relationship from thriving, so... You know, if the, the people that are poor, on the poor end of the spectrum are going, man, I wish I had what so-and-so had, or I wish that they would see my needs and help take care of me. And then people that are rich and have all kinds of material wealth sometimes feel guilty being around someone who's poor all the time because they feel like, well, I, I shouldn't have all this, or maybe I should be doing more to help. Right? Like, haven't we seen that? Like, riches, whether someone's rich or poor, has, has, a, has a way of separating, right? But God's vision for the church is that we wouldn't be separated like that. You know, there's a, uh, a friend of mine from back on the East Coast, and I changed his name just in case he ever tunes in, which I don't think he will. <laughs> I really don't think this guy would ever tune in, but I'm going to change his name just in case. Uh, we'll call him Trevor. And uh, Trevor, um, he actually got involved in the ministry that my dad started years ago. <clears throat> and so, and as you know, most of you would know the, the, where I came from in New Brunswick. I worked at a, it was a homeless shelter and a drug rehab center. Um, on any given night, there's like 60 or 70 people that live there, and the, the vision is to help people that are in need. And so Trevor, he came and he got involved, and uh, he was around for a while, but Trevor had like a decent job, made a good amount of money, um, you know, always had whatever he needed, and he was always being asked for drives, uh, for money for cigarettes, for <laughs> like just random things, right? And Trevor got to the point where he was like, he stopped coming around because he had money, he had things, and he was hanging out with people that didn't, and he always felt guilty. He always felt like wrong for saying no to giving somebody a drive. Or if somebody needed 20 bucks or somebody needed 50 bucks, he felt bad to say no. And so he stopped coming around. I was really young at this time, but it left an impression on me where I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard for like rich people and poor people to get along well with each other. There's all kinds of divisions. And I'm sure you and I have seen examples of that where it's, it's challenging for people that are rich and poor to actually experience, like, unity and a deep love and affection for each other, right? We separate. And even in churches, a lot of times you go to churches and, and you can tell whether it's, like, sort of, sort of a, like a wealthier type church or a poorer church, right? Have you ever seen that? You ever experienced that, right? And, but God's desire is that when His church gathers, okay, that there would be unity amongst rich and poor, that the rich and poor would be one, would be, would be knitted together. And I want to look at, and so today, and, I, and I've um, pointed this out whenever I do this, my favorite way to preach is to take one passage of Scripture and just really unpack it. Um, but in a message like this, I want to jump around a little bit because I want to show you that throughout the Scriptures, God has a lot to say about rich and poor. And some of this might surprise you a little bit. 
Um, I want to start off, though, by reading some encouraging words from Job. And I'm not sure why this is, if it says something about me, but I, I like sometimes the more cynical view. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've been surprised at some of the ways things are, are described in Scripture. But listen to Job that's going through a lot, um, as I, I pointed out earlier. Uh, Job is somebody that experienced more loss and devastation than anybody else in Scripture. And he talks about riches and wealth. He says, one person dies in prosperity, completely comfortable and secure, the picture of good health, vigorous and fit. Another person dies in bitter poverty, never having tasted the good life, but both are buried in the same dust, both eaten by the same maggots. Amen. You can go home now. Um, but I just love the, like, the reality. So Job, in the middle of Job's suffering, in the middle of Job's loss, he's got this view of life where he's realizing, like, it's just so temporary. And so he's, he's saying, you know, uh, what, what's, what's the point of, like, wealth and riches? Like, whether somebody's wealthy or whether somebody's in, in poverty, in the end, it doesn't really matter, right? And Job is realizing this. And Job was somebody, and we're going to read a few verses later, Job was one of the wealthier men in the scriptures. And so uh, as we look into this, I, I just want to share with you, like as I was getting ready for this message, and this was prepared, this series was prepared quite a, a while ago, as I was getting ready for this particular message, I just was like thinking about, I had this vision of what it would look like here if we experience what the scriptures talk about in relation to socioeconomic diversity, where we would have a church that has like somebody could come that's really, really wealthy and sit beside somebody who's really, really poor and just love on Jesus, on Jesus together, but also to love on each other and for there to be an incredible unity. Like, that's the kind of thing that God's gospel, that's the kind of thing that God's truth does, is he unites people that would otherwise be divided. And, and uh, in talking about this, and some of you may be familiar with this, but there's a, a term called the prosperity gospel, and um, basically there's, it's a teaching that's p pretty popular in the church uh, right now. It's becoming less popular because a lot of people are pointing out where it's, where it's wrong, but there's this prosperity gospel that kind of goes something like this. Um, God's desire is for you to be wealthy and, and blessed and healthy. And if you have faith, if you really have faith, if you really believe, then God will make you, eventually you'll become wealthy and you won't have any sickness and you'll just be blessed. The problem with that is that it's not in the scripture. What, what we're going to find the scriptures teach is that the scriptures teach that there are wealthy people and there are poor people and this will always be the case. The scriptures also teach that within the followers of Jesus, there are people who are wealthy and there are people who are poor, and, and some of them will be wealthy their whole lives and some of them will be financially poor their whole lives. So having faith doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to be blessed and to have all kinds of money. And so I just want to be really clear with that from the outset because that, that type of teaching with the prosperity gospel is very misleading because it sounds like, well, if you have, if you have a bunch of faith then you'll do well financially. You'll, you'll be blessed and you'll have all kinds of income and God will turn things around. And, and that is just simply not true. And it actually caters to uh, a wealthier type of a, a, a class of people. But what the scriptures teach about wealth 
and, and, and being poor is, is a lot more balanced. And so um, I just want to highlight this today. My goal, these are really simple truths. And so these are the three theological truths about the rich and poor that I want to highlight today. And the first one is that God loves the poor. This should be up on the screen, I think. God loves the poor. Secondly, that God loves the rich. And third, rich and poor are equal in God's sight. I almost put a but there, but it would be inappropriate. I wanted, like, after one and two, I wanted to put God loves the poor but, God loves the rich but, and, uh, but you can never put a but when you say that God loves, because he just loves, okay? So, like, the but makes it sound like he loves them, but, um, but the reason I was tempted to put it in there is because, yes, God loves the poor, however, there are instructions and warnings he gives to those that are poor. Same with the second one, God loves the rich, however... There's instructions about being rich and being a Jesus follower, okay? And so this is, this is, uh, these are simple, but they're really important. God loves the poor, God loves the rich, and rich and poor are equal in God's sight. So some people will be financially poor, we'll use that word, okay, for their whole lives as a Jesus follower. And it doesn't mean they have less faith. It doesn't mean that they're not blessed or loved by God. Some people will be financially rich their whole lives as Jesus followers. It doesn't mean that they're more blessed. It doesn't mean that God loves them more. This is a reality, and, and the scriptures teach that we can have unity with each other, a deep and profound and intimate unity. So first, God loves the poor. Uh, so the, if you follow me on Facebook, I put this up uh, earlier this week, but do you realize that Jesus was a poor Jewish man who relied on miracles to pay his taxes and he relied on a group of wealthy women to provide for the needs of him and his disciples. You realize that? So Jesus is, is he's God in the flesh, okay? Jesus is the one, if, if you want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus. Jesus intentionally is, is, is born into a poor family. The reason we know this is because when his family went to Jerusalem and offered sacrifices in the temple... They, they offered the poor man's sacrifice. So if you read the Old Testament sacrificial system, there's instructions for what poor people give as sacrifices, and there's instructions for what wealthier people give based on what they could afford. Well, Jesus' family offered the poor man's sacrifice. He was born into this poor family. You know, at one point, he said he, he has no place to lay his head. But he was this Jewish man. He relied on miracles to pay his taxes. Do you remember the story in the Bible where um, his disciples are like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay our, our taxes? And Jesus says to Peter, he's like, just go down to the river's edge, catch a fish, and there's going to be some money in the mouth of that fish. Use that to pay the taxes. Isn't that crazy? Like, this is, and Jesus is revealing at this point in, in his ministry, he's revealing like, I'm God. I'm not just an ordinary teacher. I'm not just an ordinary prophet. I'm God. Right? So when everybody's panicked about how they're going to pay the taxes, he relies on a miracle. Also, in Luke chapter 8, if you read carefully, there's a group of wealthy women that follow Jesus around. Their husbands are like married, like they're, they're high up in the political system of the day. They got all kinds of money. Well, these women actually provided for the needs of Jesus and his disciples, right? So he was this, he was this poor man, and he relied on these wealthy women to provide for the needs. And like they, um, they cooked food for them and bought whatever <laughs> they needed. Like that's, I just think that's really interesting. And I think of, it actually gives me this image of a, a, a gif there's an argument whether it's a GIF or GIF, by the way, on Facebook. You know those, like, pictures that have words on them? You ever see those? And it's called a GIF. Well, uh, I saw a picture recently, and it, and it was the Last Supper. And uh, 
you know, the picture of the Last Supper, there's like a little bit of food and all the disciples around it. Well, it said the Last Supper, if uh, the church ladies prepared it, and it was like this massive, like, uh, like table filled, and it was like the, the church ladies that do all the suppers providing for, for Jesus, right? But it was this, but it's interesting because he actually did have a group of wealthy women that provided for their needs. And, and so I want you to listen to, uh, so this is important, this first point, God loves the poor, very, very much so. In Deuteronomy, Moses is um, giving a long speech in the book of Deuteronomy to a million people. They were, Moses had been leading the people of Israel through the desert, and they were about to go into the promised land, and as their leader, as their kind of pastoral figure, he's giving them instructions. And I want you to listen to what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 24. He says, never take advantage of the poor and destitute laborers, whether they are fellow Israelites or foreigners living in your towns. You must pay them their wages each day before sunset because they are poor and are counting on it. If you don't, they might cry out to the Lord against you, and it would be counted against you as sin. And so when God was speaking to this community, it was the first time Israel was going to go in and take possession of the land, and he's giving them instructions. This is how I want you to treat the poor. I want you to care for them. I want you to love them. If you don't love the poor in your midst, they might call out to me, and then I'll punish you for not taking care of them. Like, when God was establishing the community of Israel, he had specific instructions about how the poor were to be loved and cared for and taken care of. And this is actually a theme that goes throughout the entire scriptures. In the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul was, was leaving the, 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 the Jewish churches to go preach to the Gentiles, one of the things that was, was pointed out to him was, make sure you take care of the poor. And Paul said, that was the one thing that I was going to make sure that I continued to do. So God loves the poor deeply. And this is, throughout all of Scripture, this is something that, that you'll see. So if you mistreat the poor and they call out to God, it will count against you as sin. When Jesus... Was, was starting his ministry right before he was going to go out and start preaching and healing and doing all these incredible things that, that we know him for. In Luke chapter 4, this is what he says. These are, in the book of Luke, this is, the, this is the first time that Jesus announces his ministry, okay? So he's like laying the foundation for what he's going to do. This is the, this is the ministry that he's going to uh, be a part of that he's going to do in the world. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so Jesus is saying right from the very beginning of his ministry, like, I have come to declare good news to the poor. You know, if you're somebody who's experienced poverty, if you've experienced being poor, you've probably cried out to God for help. If you've not known where your next meal is going to come from, or if you've been mistreated at a job, or you were overlooked at a job, and, and for whatever reason it was given to somebody else, and you were without work, and you were without a livelihood, you've probably, even if you didn't officially pray, maybe you've, you didn't believe in God, or you struggle with what you believe about God, maybe there was just this like kind of thrown up prayer, like, somebody help me, right? The scriptures acknowledge that, like, the good news of the gospel is for the poor, because the good news of the gospel, and, and I'm not going to get into the gospel today, but, but in summary, the gospel 
is hope for all of humanity, but specifically for the poor, it's hope that the creator of the universe is on your side and loves you deeply. So for the poor, that is incredibly good news, to know that the creator of the universe, the one that invented oxygen, the one that made the world, the one that made Niagara Falls and and has everything at his disposal is on your side. This is good news. And Jesus, when he was saying what his ministry was going to be like, he was saying, like, I'm going to go and tell this good news to the poor. God loves the poor. Secondly, God loves the rich. And, and maybe, maybe today you're rich. I haven't met very many rich people, though, that would, like, say they're rich. You ever notice that? Like, there, people say that about them. You know what I mean? But, like, have you ever met people that are like, well, I'm so rich, right? <laughs> have you ever met somebody that you know, like, you know they're rich, but they don't say it? You ever, you ever have that experience? And so you're like, you get this feeling like you just, you know they've got money, but, like, they wouldn't actually say it themselves that they're rich, but it's kind of said about them, right? There's, there's like, sometimes there's a bit of shame when you're known as a rich person. Now, I'm not talking about spiritual rich. I'm talking about, like, just rich with money, okay? I'm talking about, like, real money. But there's this shame sometimes that comes along with it because you almost, like, there's this sense of guilt, like, you, you, more is required or, or like, you kind of had life handed to you on a silver platter. You know, most times if you're, if you're tuning in to people who tell their stories that, that are rich, um, they'll tell you how hard they worked for their, their money. Because nobody likes to admit, like, well, it was handed to me or I got it or whatever, right? So there's this kind of stigma around being rich. But I just want to say, like, lay all that aside. God actually loves rich people. You know that? He, if you're rich this morning, can you just put your hand? No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but God actually loves rich people. He does. And that's something that I think a lot of times we, we don't, like, especially in church, maybe, maybe someone who's rich is, is made to feel guilty or, like, you're not doing enough or you could be doing more, whatever the case may be. But just let, let all that aside. The scriptures are clear. God actually loves rich people. He loves people. Uh, I'm going to read uh, a couple verses on this. I want to read another one from Job. Because Job, after he's lost everything, he describes what his life was like before he lost everything. Okay, and we're going to be doing a series on Job um, coming up, and so we'll get more into to his story. Um, but for those of you that know, he lost everything. At one point, he was super rich, lost everything, and then at the end of the story, everything's restored. Job becomes twice as rich as he was before. But in the middle of it, he describes what his life was like when he was rich. He says, those were the days, I think this will be up on the screen, those were the days when I went to the city gate and took my place among the honored leaders. Okay, so he's remembering back at this point. He's lost everything. He's saying, oh, I miss those days. Uh, the young stepped aside when they saw me, and even the aged rose in respect at my coming. The princes stood in silence and put their hands over their mouths. The highest officials of the city stood quietly, holding their tongues in respect. All who hear me praised me. All who saw me spoke well of me, for I assisted the poor in their need and the orphans who required help. I helped those without hope, and they blessed me. And I caused the widow's hearts to sing for joy. Everything I did was honest. Righteousness covered me like a robe, and I wore justice like a turban. I served as eyes for the blind and feet for the lame. I was a father to the poor and assisted strangers who needed help. I broke the jaws of godless oppressors and plucked the victims from their teeth. And so Job's describing uh, what it was like back when he was rich, back when he had wealth. And what you find in the book of Job, and and we're going to get into this um, in a few weeks, but what you find is God has this deep and profound love for Job. 
and Job lost everything, goes through a really difficult time, and we don't know how long that time lasted, but it was quite a time. But then God restored everything back. But the end result of the story, you just get this sense when you're reading it that, I mean, God says some things kind of correctively to Job, but there's just this love that he has for Job, like a deep and profound love. God loves the rich. I want to read a couple uh, places in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul has a lot to say about the rich, and there's warnings that come with it, but I want you to notice a couple things in here as we read. So I'm going to read it, and then I'll, I'll point that out, but I want you to notice um, maybe some things you haven't before as we read this. So just as we read, just, just read with fresh eyes uh, and think about God's love for the rich. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's interesting. So there's a couple of things here. God hates it when rich people exploit the poor. He will punish, he will punish that. God hates the love of money. And this, you know this. Um, this, this verse isn't saying it's money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. But what's interesting here is God doesn't condemn the rich for being rich. He actually warns the poor for longing to be rich. You notice that? So in this verse here, he's not saying like, well, if you're rich, you just got to get rid of it all. Jesus did say that to some people, not to everybody. There were some people that they had idolized their money, and Jesus gave them some strong warnings and said, you know, give all of it to the poor. But he didn't give that instruction to every single person who was rich. And in this passage here, Paul, he's actually giving warning to the, to the poorer people and saying, don't long to be rich like your rich brothers and sisters. Okay? So he finishes his thought. So down in, in verse 17, I'll pick it up again, verse 17 to 19 in that same chapter. He says, teach those. And so this is Paul writing to Timothy. And Timothy was a pastor in a place called Ephesus where there was lots of wealthy people. So it would have been a diverse church where there was rich and poor. And Timothy's trying to figure out how do you navigate that? How do you, how do you have a, a, a unity amongst people that are usually separated? And, and Paul, he's the older mentor giving instructions to Timothy. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. You know what's interesting here is Paul, he's saying, teach this to the rich people. Teach them how to be generous. Teach them how to not use others for, for their own gain. And then teach the ones that are poor not to long to be rich. But Paul doesn't like put them into two. And a lot of times in church, we kind of, we highlight or exaggerate one lifestyle and make it sound like that's the spiritual one. And so you go to some church communities and it's almost like poverty is highlighted as like, if you're really a good Christian, you'll have nothing uh, materially in this world, right? That's more spiritual. Look at Jesus. Jesus was, was poor, so we should all be poor like Jesus. Or you go to another church that's like, no, if you have faith, God's going to bless you. Look at Job and look at Abraham and look at all these wealthy people like Joseph and, and the women that followed Jesus around. They were rich. And if you really had faith, you'd be like them. And there's like, it's kind of like highlighted. One, one is, 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 is made to be more spiritual than the other. But the Bible doesn't teach that. 
Paul was telling his mentee, Timothy, he's saying, look, you're gonna, you have rich people in your group and you've got poor people in your group. Here's how you instruct and how you teach. But the fact that they exist, like they're going to exist side by side and the church has to figure out how the two can be united. And so lastly, uh, rich and poor are equal. And again, this is a theme that runs all through Scripture. And I just want to read a few verses. And so just, I'm going to read a few verses from the law, okay, from the Old Testament that just shows you um, God's thoughts on rich and poor. And what I really want to stress today is that, like, um, I, I'm sorry, like, if you saw this title and thought, like, you know, I've always struggled and I'm poor and I want to be encouraged about how if I have faith, I could be wealthy. Like, this is not the sermon for that, <laughs> okay? I'm not saying you're going to be poor forever. God does give good jobs. God does bless. But the reality, the Scripture teaches that there's this mystery of, like, wealth and poverty, and it will exist until the return of Christ. Okay? And so some people have, have come out of poverty, and they, and they live wealthy. Some people have had wealth, and they've lost it all and become poor. Like, and the Scripture doesn't favor one over the other and say one is better. The scripture just acknowledges the reality that there is rich and there is poor, materially speaking, and God's desire is that we would be one, that we would be united. And there's warnings that are given to both and all those things. But just read, I want to read a few verses from the law here so you can see the thinking that God has about riches. In Leviticus 19, verse 15, it says, Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. In Deuteronomy 1, uh, verse 16 and 17, it says, At that time I instructed the judges, you must hear the cases of your fellow Israelites and the foreigners living among you. Be perfectly fair in your decisions and impartial in your judgments. Hear the cases of those who are poor as well as those who are rich. Don't be afraid of anyone's anger, for the decision you make is God's decision. Exodus 23, verses 1 through 3 says, You must not pass along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. You must not follow the crown in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. And do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. You see the, like, the fairness of God in Scripture? What God is saying in the law and he's trying to help his people to, to live amongst each other, to, to live alongside of each other. He's saying, treat people fairly. These verses were really helpful for me because of the setting I grew up in. I, I had a tendency to favor the poor. Like, I, I literally grew up in a homeless shelter and a drug rehab center, and I had this tendency to see life through the lens of those that had struggled, through the, life, the lens of those who had lost everything, or who had been mistreated, or who had been overlooked, and for whatever reason, we're, we're in this, this situation of not having material goods, material wealth, money. And I read these, these verses, and what God is saying is He's saying, like, actually be fair. I thought about trying to go into, um, like, a, a, a deeper discussion about what leads to poverty and what leads to wealth, but there's not time for that today. A lot of you are probably really thankful <laughs> and I'm not going to go into that. That would be a long one. Um, but there is mystery, and I just want to like, point out to you, there's mystery around why some end up wealthy and why some end up poor. And I don't want to try to solve that today. What I want to highlight from the Scriptures is that God acknowledges that reality, and he doesn't, he doesn't give the answer by saying, you know, pursue riches or pursue poverty or being poor and giving up all material things. He acknowledges these two realities, 
And his desire is that we could live alongside of one another with a deep love for each other. That's, that's his desire. That's what he taught in the law. And, and the reason these, these verses in particular from the law were so impactful to me was because I did have a tendency, because of how I grew up, to favor those who were poor or those who had been what I thought mistreated. And, I, and I've realized that God doesn't judge the same way you and I do. He actually sees deep into the heart and the mind of each person, of each situation. He is perfectly fair in all of his judgments. And what he instructs us to do is to not try to delve too deeply into pursuing poverty or, or wealth, as in, wealth in this life, but actually what the scriptures emphasize is a unity that you and I can experience with each other. We don't have to be divided because of our socioeconomic differences. We can be rich and poor and have a deep love for each other and for Jesus in the way that we worship God. Same thing with ethnic diversity. Same thing with generational, young and old. Like the church of Jesus, like the vision that he has is that all of these divisions that separate human beings would not be a separating factor amongst us, the Jesus followers. Like that's the desire of God. One principle um, you'll, find, you'll find in scripture that I, I love, um, when, when God was giving instructions to the people of Israel uh, as they were about to head into the promised land, one of the things, and this is actually, it ends up um, being talked about a couple times in the Old Testament, God gives instructions to people that, that had fields. So they were, you know, grape farmers or whatever. He said, when you, when you make your field, you know, and you, you draw the lines and you, you sow the seeds and you harvest, he said, don't harvest the edges of the field, but leave it for the poor. So if you lived in Israel in Old Testament times and you were a farmer, you were actually instructed to leave some of the, the produce from your harvest for those that were poor. So the instruction for the rich was don't be greedy and don't use your workers for your own personal gain. The instruction for the poor was don't just rely on the generosity of, of your wealthy friends or the people in the community. Like go out to the fields and, and harvest and, and work for it. And there was this unity that happened because the wealth made way for the poor, and the poor worked uh, for their income, and there was this unity that God envisioned for the community and the people of Israel. I believe that same principle applies today, that if you're somebody who is wealthier, if you almost put your hand up earlier, <laughs> probably didn't, nobody wants to admit that in a room full of people, right? But if you were, like, the, the desire that God has for, for you is to be a generous person. If, you were, if you're somebody who's experiencing being poor, that the desire God has for you is to have this attitude of like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best that I can with what you've given me. I'm going to take the opportunities that you've put in front of me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard for those opportunities. You know, the, the scriptures are clear. God, he loves the poor. He loves the rich. And in, in his eyes, rich and poor are equal. His desire is that we would experience unity. My, uh, my friend Trevor, who I changed his name, you know, my, when I was thinking about this, this sermon and like what would this look like for us to live this out as a church here, um, I, I, like my vision is that we would see Jesus' prayer answered. And so the prayer I'm referring to is in John 17 when Jesus prays that we would experience the same kind of unity God experiences in himself. My, my desire for us as a church is that we would be able to gather rich and poor, young and old, 
different kinds of ethnicities, and there'd be such a unity amongst us that our love for each other would be deep and rich and profound. And I, I believe the way that we do that is we make a big deal of Jesus. That regardless of what our you know, um, socioeconomic status is, regardless of what our ethnicity is, regardless of what our age is, regardless of some of the different views and opinions that we might have, that when we gather to worship, we worship Jesus. We surrender to him as Lord. And we love each other with the same kind of love God has uh, within himself. I'm going to close with this, this verse from Philippians chapter 4. And, and Paul is somebody that uh, he's experienced actually both. He's, he experienced being rich and he experienced being poor. And, and this is the, uh, the famous verse, uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of times that verse is misused. <laughs> okay? We use that uh, for all kinds of different things. But the context here is, is pretty powerful. Paul's talking about uh, contentment. And so just listen to what, what he says here. He says, not that I was ever in need. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What a powerful verse. So Paul here, like he's, he's had this encounter with Jesus. He's experienced being super rich and powerful and having authority. And then he's experienced poverty, being thrown in prison, having nothing. And you know what he says in this, when he's saying, I can do all things through Christ, he's not saying one is better than the other. He's not saying, well, it was much better when I was rich. And he's not saying, well, it's much better when I was poor because I'm more like Jesus. He was just saying, like, I'm content in whatever socioeconomic situation that I'm in because of my relationship with Christ. Like, that's what the scriptures teach. So no matter where you find yourself whether with, with wealth and poverty or whatever, that there's this contentment that you can have in Jesus. And that, that, that those differences should not separate us. And again, I'm not saying, and I just want to make sure that I'm really clear on this. If you're, if you're struggling and you're having a hard time finding your next meal, like I'm not saying, well, just you know, forget about ever being provided for or having a better life situation. I'm not saying that. But the reason I'm coming at this from the angle I am is because I, I believe that there has been a lot of disservice done when a gospel is taught that, well, if you have enough faith, God's going to provide every meal. Because there's tons of examples through Scripture of people that went through times of suffering, and it wasn't because of sin. It wasn't because of a lack of faith. There were circumstances that they were just not aware of or could not understand. And what it comes back to is just trusting in God. And that's why Paul could say, whether I was rich or whether I was poor, I had learned to be content in either situation. It's because of his relationship with Christ. So I'm going to invite the, the team to come up, and uh, we're going to close with a couple songs. And this is a different kind of a, of a, of a message uh, that, that, I'm, that I'm used to preaching. Um, but I really believe that there's, there's these, this topic in particular is so vital because I believe what like God's desire for us as a community is that we would experience unity and love with each other. And there's all kinds of things that, that try to wedge their way in to bring division. And uh, I, I really believe, based on what the scriptures teach, that, that wealth should not be one of those things that separates us. Just like ethnicity isn't. Just like generation, just like our age uh, isn't. Depending on, you know, what age bracket we grew up in, what our past experiences were. Like, those things that divide us in the church of Jesus should not be um, dividing factors.
that the desire God has for us is that we would experience unity and love with each other. And so I just encourage you to, to reflect on that, um, pray about that. If you're somebody who's, who's poor, maybe some of the warnings about, um, you know, taking what God has given you and taking every opportunity and working hard would, would apply. If you're somebody who's rich, maybe some of the, the warnings and instructions God gives about generosity and helping out those others would, would apply. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you in some way to respond. If he is, I, I would encourage you to respond. Be, be obedient to what God is, is putting on your heart. Um, and above all, love each other. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, uh, for your word. Thank you for how you teach us how to be your church. Lord, as we are working through this series on being a diverse church, we're looking at different ways that uh, your church has experienced disunity, things that have come up to, to bring division. Lord, it's our desire that we would experience the kind of unity you prayed for in John chapter 17. Lord, I just pray for us, even as this, this community, this small church gathering here, that we would experience unity the way you prayed for, like, like the same unity you experienced with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we'd experience that with each other, whether we're rich or poor, young or old, from different ethnicities, have different uh, convictions on various things, Lord. We just pray for that we would experience that and that it would be a testimony to this world, Lord. There is a lot of brokenness all around us. There's so many things that we can, we can be praying for in our city. And Lord, I just pray that our love for each other would be a testimony to the goodness of you. We love you, God. And uh, we just pray you bless these last uh, couple songs. And just even as we uh, head downstairs and have coffee and some dessert with each other, I just pray that you bless our, our fellowship and our conversation with each other. We love you, God. In Jesus' name.